Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. All right. Hopefully you guys know that one. Um, But John 3, verse 16 is where we're going to be today. Um, Starting a new series today, and I closed out our one um, on the soul last week. And so if you missed any of those, I believe that all of them except the last lesson is up on YouTube. And so you can go and uh, kind of check that out. In my opinion, um, it was not because of me, but um, it was the most helpful and practical series that I think we've probably ever done in here as a class and as a group. And so hopefully uh, you got some key takeaways from it. Um, One of the things that we gave out last week that I did want to mention just really quick was that we did this little sheet that just has some of the reoccurring thoughts that came up throughout the series. And so it's got some thoughts on there, and uh, you can grab that. And if you were a part of the series, hopefully um, you can take it, kind of apply it. If you want to go back and watch some of them, um, that will kind of give you uh, just a brief synopsis of what the series was about. But I wanted to move from that thought, It Is Well With My Soul, into this new series entitled Truths for Tough Times. And I'll go ahead and tell you kind of where we're headed with this. My goal with this is that it will eventually become a resource that you can use. So something that by the end of uh, the series, where we'll go for about six weeks, that this will become a resource that you can have in booklet form um, that you can use for yourself, share with others, um, however you would like to use it. And it's something that I believe can be, be really beneficial at any stage of life. Here's what I am learning, is that when we talk about tough times, I would say that probably a large majority of human beings on this earth would consider themselves in a tough time. Whether that be because of maybe something that's going on in their family, whether it be maybe something that's going on in the world that they don't agree with, whether it be just the day-to-day life. I'm tired because I wake up Monday through Friday and this is my schedule and I'm financially hurting or I'm relationally hurting or I'm emotionally hurting. And so they're going through what we would consider a tough time. Very rarely do you just meet someone in your day-to-day life that is just happy and joyful and everything's great and everything's perfect and oh my goodness, God is so good. And for us as Christians, here's what we have the opportunity to do. We have the opportunity to be that type of person. I don't know about you, but when you're going through something tough, sometimes it's hard to recall just simple biblical principles, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to focus in on what you need to be focused on in that moment. And so for the next really six weeks, we're going to look at just some simple truths, talk you through them, talk you through how they can help you through a tough time, and hopefully make it so that when you go through something as a Christian, you are doing it differently than what the world would do it. The world has no hope. The world looks for their hope in maybe something, the, a financial gain, or they look for their hope in who is the president, or they look for their hope in whatever. They look for their hope in friendships or relationship status, or they look for their satisfaction in maybe how things are going with their family. And for us as Christians, our hope is found in God. 
But yet when we go through something difficult, sometimes that is hard to find. And so today we're going to start very basic, but here's my goal in this. I believe that for the next six, week, six weeks, what we are going to talk about is going to be applicable to the Christian, but also to the lost person. So if you know someone who you say, look, I know a lost person who's maybe struggling right now, they're going through something tough, I would encourage you, one, to share what we're going to talk about, but two, invite them to be a part of the class. Our failure in tough times is that we forget the God who ordained it. And when we go through something difficult, that had to pass God's desk first. That had to be approved by God. Look at the example of Job. Job, yes, he was hurt, and yes, he, was, uh, he went through something tough because of Satan, but Job, the tough times that Job went through were approved by God. Does that make God any less of a good God? Does it make him any less loving? No. In fact, he knew Job so well that he knew how he would respond to it. So today we're going to simply start with truth number one, God loves you. Now I'm going to just go ahead and tell you, okay? I know you guys pick up handouts. I encourage you to pick up handouts. There's application questions on the back of the handout that I'm going to encourage you to do this week. But here's the truth about a handout, is that if you fill in the blanks today, you will not get the point of the lesson, okay? I don't think that today's lesson can be summarized in the three little blanks that you're going to fill in, nor do I think that if you go back and you look at it and you're going to say, truth number one, God loves me, John 3.16, you look at the three points, you're going to crumple that piece of paper up and throw it away because like, yep, I already know that, okay? You're going to have to listen to the stuff outside of this. You're going to have to listen to what we talk about and how we begin to see that from a biblical perspective. And so if you'll hang on till the end, I'll try to help you with that. John chapter number three, verse number 16. You probably know it, but let's set the stage for this passage we're about to read. Actually, you guys help me set the stage. Who's talking in John chapter number three, verse 16? Jesus. Who's he talking to? Nicodemus. Who was Nicodemus? Pharisee. Nicodemus was one of the good guys, supposedly, okay? He was a religious leader. He was someone that would have, by all means, had it all figured out according to that day and that time. He was one of the people who people looked to for answers. And yet when he was confronted with Jesus Christ, this perfect person who he had probably seen do miracles, what did Jesus try to teach him? What did Jesus want him to understand? He didn't go and say, Nicodemus, everything that you've been living for is hypocritical, you're pharisaical, you're living for an outward appearance, you're living like this. You're... No, he simply went to, and this, this literally blows my mind when you think about the context of John 3. He literally went back to the basics. He said, Nicodemus, God loves you. And because God loves you, he sent me to die on a cross for your sins so that one day you can, have, you can spend eternity in heaven with him. Nicodemus was doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons, and yet Jesus did not confront him with his hypocrisy. He did not confront him with his Phariseeism. He confronted him with the love of God. And when you and I are going through something tough or something difficult or something we don't understand or even something that we think we may be doing right, but is actually completely wrong, 
our confrontation and our the thing that changes us the most is the love of God. So just for sake of reading it, let's look at John chapter number 3, verse number 16. We're going to use this verse, we're going to break it apart, and we're going to show how God has loved us. Let's look at it. Verse number 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I think it would do us all well as children of God to read that out loud together. Ready, begin. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves you. I guess if there was anything in this life and in Christianity that I think would change the way that we live is if we actually figured out just how much God loves us. I think what makes Christianity so much more simple is when we realize how much God loves us. What makes Christianity complex is when we begin to operate as if God doesn't love us. And there are many people in this room, that whether you're going through a tough time, whether you're going through something you don't understand, whether you're just living with day-to-day stress, can I just be very upfront and honest with you that even on your bad days, God loves you. I made this statement in chapel, uh, in our school chapel on Friday, that on your bad days, you still have a good God. And sometimes we like to assume that because life is bad, that God is bad. But God has never changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 13. So guess what? Even when the world is crazy, God is still good. Even when life is insane, God is still good. Even when the rest of the world around you maybe begins to hate you for what you believe or what you stand for, God still loves you. And so let's take just a couple of moments. Let's maybe forget all of the stuff that's going on in the world and let's set it aside for just a couple of minutes and let's look at how God's love can actually change who we are in the midst of tough times. Let's pray. Let's ask God to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to stand up and teach. Lord, you know this this seems like an incredibly simple concept, but yet it is one that I believe that many of us as Christians probably struggle to understand. We probably don't live our day-to-day lives knowing just how much you love us, and so because of that, we often respond to tough times, we often respond to struggles, we often respond to stress as if you do not love us. And so God, I ask that you would help us today as we look into your word, as we look at this popular verse, one that many in this room have probably learned and known since they were children. Lord, I pray that it would become fresh and new to us once again, and that we would see that you are a good God who loves us with an everlasting love, and that because you love us, you desire to help us through tough times. In your name we pray, amen. The funny thing about the word love is that it seems like that it's probably the thing in this world that has been talked about, written about more than anything else, isn't it? Every romantic movie that's ever been made is about love, and it begins to warp your mind as to what true love is. Poetry has been written about love. Music has been written about love. There's songs about love that would tell you, that would try to teach you that love is something other than the biblical concept of love. 
There's, uh, there's people that you talk to that they believe that love is the answer to everything that is going wrong in the world, and that if we all just love each other, then it would be a better world. And while there has been more talk, there's probably not a topic in the world that has been more talked about than love, it seems as though we have still failed to grasp the concept of it, of it doesn't it? If love has been talked about this much for all of human history, you would think that as human beings 2,020 years into really this stage of the world, we would be a lot better at it, wouldn't we? But yet, in spite of everything that has been written about love, as human beings, we still just don't grasp the concept of it. But on the other hand, you have God, who according to Scripture, you finish the phrase for me, God is what? Love. While we sit around and talk about it and write about it and maybe even popularize love, God is literally the essence of love. It is who He is. Meaning that He's not trying to make it trendy. He's not trying to incorporate it into Himself. He's not trying to be more loving. He literally is love. It's His identity. It's who He is. And when we think about that, here's what we have to understand. Is that while our love is really anything but love, it's completely imperfect. Okay? It's interesting to me that I can use that same word to describe my feelings toward my wife, whom I love. I love her so much. She's great. I love her. And I can use that same word to describe my favorite place to go eat. Oh, I love a big burger. Okay? Do you see possibly the imperfection of it? That I love her and there's a deep feeling and that's great, but I also love to eat here. There's a little bit of a, a contradiction there, isn't there? Probably don't need to elevate one on the same scale as the other. Yet God, who is perfect in His love, loves us with an everlasting love. He doesn't love you the same way that He loves His favorite place to eat, which obviously God doesn't have a favorite place to eat because He lives in heaven, okay? God doesn't love you the same way that he maybe loves an object, okay? Oh, I absolutely love my car. I absolutely love my friends. No, God loves you with a pure love. God loves you with a perfect love. God loves you with a love that cannot be comprehended because it is literally who he is. And when we read a verse like John chapter number 3, verse 16, as Christians and maybe some people who have grown up in church, it's easy for us to say, yep, God loves me, so what? When truthfully, the love of God can actually change everything about your life. Now, this isn't intended to be some big lovey-dovey, just let's all get together, whatever message, okay? This is personal. This is from your heavenly Father. This is something that He has incorporated into who He is because He wants it to affect you. He could have just as easily, just as easily as He could have been love, He could have been wrath. Just as easily as He could have been love, He could have been all righteousness, all truth, and no grace. 
Just as easily as he could have been described as love in Scripture, he could have been described as a myriad of different things, and yet all of Scripture points to the fact that God is love. Now, does he have other characteristics? Absolutely. Does he have holiness? He is holy. Be holy, therefore, for I am holy. Okay? He is holy. But when it comes down to actually describing his identity, all of those things come together to create a God who is love. And so if that is who he is as children of God, as created beings of this God, then it should be our job to say, well, what does that mean for me? So I want to show you three thoughts out of this passage about what it, what, how did God respond? How did he show his love? And then we'll close with what that means for you. First of all, God gave because he loves you. God gave because He loves you. Verse number 16, it begins with the love of God. So, for God so loved the world. Well, what did that love call for Him to do? Let's look at it. That He gave His only begotten Son. The truth is, is that it is hard for you to say that you love something and fail to give to it. It is hard for you to say that you love somebody or something and not make a sacrifice for it, isn't it? You probably say that you love your favorite restaurant because you would be willing to drive 45 minutes out of your way to get whatever your favorite food is. There's a sacrificial aspect to it. You probably say that you love your friends because you'd be willing to meet them at 2 o'clock in the morning or to help them go and move or to whatever. You would be willing to put a personal investment, a personal sacrifice on the line because you love them. But that's what we do as human beings. What did God do as a God who is love? He literally gave up His only begotten Son. Because He loves, He gave. Meaning this, that God's way of love is characterized by giving. God's way of love is characterized by giving you something that sometimes you don't even know that you need. 2,000 years ago, if we would have rewound, there would have only been a few people theologically who would have been able to take the Old Testament and realize, in fact, if you go and you look at history, a lot of the Jews missed the Messiah. Why? Because they couldn't even grasp the concept that this is what God was doing because He loved us. Nicodemus, in our passage, had been confronted with everything the law, the truth, the holiness of God. He knew probably more about God than any of us in this room, yet he had not been confronted with the love of God. And so when Jesus gives him this answer and he gives, them this, gives him this truth, he says this, that because God loves you, he has given me to you. Well, why did he do that? Okay, Because God loves, he gives. But then secondly, God came because He loves you. When we talk about Jesus coming to this earth, you do realize that it was not just so that He could die on a cross to save you from your sins, it was so that He could also set an example for how to live in this life. He came because He loves you. Do you think that God was not a smart enough God or a, or a wise enough God to have not solved our sin problem without sending Jesus to this earth? 
He could have done that. Yet he chose to send his only begotten son to live on this earth for 33 years and minister for three and a half years of that. He chose to send him and let him live among human beings that were imperfect, that were so imperfect that they missed it. It's interesting to me that nothing in God's plan went wrong. Almost as if he knows how we would respond to that. What would have happened if Jesus would have came to this earth and the crowd wouldn't have called to crucify him? Have you ever thought about that? What would have happened if all of a sudden they told Pilate to keep Barabbas? But a loving God knew how we as imperfect human beings would respond. And so in spite of all that, he chose to send his son. He gave his life, but he also came to live among us. And then thirdly, that because God loves you, he saves you. Now I want to give you the thought here, and then we'll close with really just uh, wrapping everything up, okay? The end of the verse, he says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I made a statement at the beginning of the lesson before we dive, we dove into this, that I said this. If there's anything that I think that we could try to figure out that would change our Christianity is just how much God loves us. And if you were going to build a structure that exemplified Christianity. We all know that a structure starts with a cornerstone. When, I was, when my kids were little, and mainly Braxton, one of the things that I would do every night before he went to bed was that I would draw something on his back so that it would like kind of settle him down. So most of the time that meant building a building, not actually drawing it, just like mimicking it with my hands. Okay, Some of you are like, Draw like he woke up every day with some giant masterpiece on his back. No, not that. Okay, so I would do it with, with my hands. And one of the things that we always he always wanted me to he said build a house, build a house. And so I would always say, all right, well you dig the dig the footers. And so I would like, and I would say every structure starts with a good foundation. We would build blocks, and I would tell him every good structure starts with a good foundation. And so what we would do is anytime, he always wanted, let's start high, let's build it high, let's build it high. And so he was more worried about how high it would go. But if you study building structures or if you know anything about the higher something goes, the deeper it has to go. And if your cornerstone is wrong or twisted or shifted, your foundation follows the cornerstone. Meaning this, that everything rides on how that one piece is set. And if you were going to build a structure that exemplified Christianity, the cornerstone that everything else rides on is the love of God. And here's why. Because if God doesn't love you, He doesn't need to save you. If God doesn't love you, then He's not going to do what's best for you. If God doesn't love you, then He has no desire to have a relationship with you. 
And sometimes what we like to do is we like to build out all these other things and we like to say, oh, God wants to have a relationship with me, but then something difficult comes and we're like, well, God doesn't love me. No, literally, if you follow the line of reasoning from Scripture, here's what you will see, is that because God loves you, because God created you, then He wanted to have fellowship with you, just like He had fellowship with Adam and Eve. God could have seen Adam and Eve sin and said, well, if that's what they're going to do, then forget it. In fact, He kind of did that with Noah's Ark. He kind of said, this is what humanity has come to? Then I'm going to almost start over. He could have just said, I'm going to wipe everyone, but no, he continued the process of proving his love to you. He could have banished Adam and Eve and made them live in in the Old Testament law for the rest of their life. He could have gotten rid of the children of Israel multiple, multiple times, but yet he chose to pursue them. He chose to love them. He could have done that with, he could have not given us the example of Hosea that is literally a picture of how much he loves you and I. He could have not given us the example of the prodigal son who came home. Why? Because the father loved him. And when you're going through something tough, let's just be honest, you tell yourselves a lot of lies, don't you? When you're going through something difficult, what do we do? God, why are you doing this to me? But I want you to see this. The biggest truth that you can experience in a tough time is the biggest truth that you can experience before you even knew who God was. We teach kids' classes, and what's one of the first songs that we teach? Jesus loves me. And yet we get 30, 40, 50 years old, and now all of a sudden life gets real and times get tough and things are going on in my life that I don't understand, and we never run back to that cornerstone that was set. That God loves me. Which means this. That if God is a God who loves you and He loves you perfectly, could it be that even in the midst of some things that you don't understand, He still loves you? I wish sometimes, and I know I'll probably talk about my kids a little bit too much in this class, but they're kind of our life, okay? And even though some... All of you, Jordan and Brittany, okay, uh, aside, don't have kids. Let me just share something with you. That there are times that you put your kids through something not because it's easy, but because it's good for them and because you love them. I wish I could go back to every moment that my kids have experienced hurt or pain and I could have taken it away But on the other hand, I also know that it's what's making them who they are. I wish I could go back and just maybe give them everything good and give them anything that they've ever wanted. But guess what? That's not what will make them good. That's not what is best for them. And so there's times to where there's tears and there's hurt and there's pain and there's probably even a lack of understanding because I explain stuff to Braxton like he's 45 years old and not 5 years old, okay? But it's not because I don't love him. It's actually the exact opposite because I do love him. 
And if you will grasp this concept that the things that are occurring in your life are not because God doesn't love you, but because he does love you, that is a perspective changer. Now all of a sudden that breakup that you've had to experience is not just something that God did because he's mean or because he's a jerk or because he's, he's, he's trying to do something to you. No, it could be because he loves you, he's protecting you from something. Now maybe that sickness or that trial that you've had to go through, it's not because God isn't good, it's actually because he is good and he loves you. And if the way I feel as an imperfect human being toward my children is to put them through some things that is not comfortable but is best for them because I do love him, then think about how much grander of a scale that is with a perfect, loving father. Meaning this, that there's times where I walk out of my child's room and I think, man, I botched that one up. Man, I messed that up. I could have handled that better. I could have handled the way that I said it better. I should have said this. But guess what? God never walks you through a trial or a valley or a tough time to where he says, man, I shouldn't have done it that way. That, that's amazing to me. That, that's comforting to me. That you don't get on the other side of a tough time and think, God sure didn't do that one right. No, no, he did it right. The question is, did you respond right? The question is, did you realize that he was doing it because he loves you? And here's why this is such a game changer for us as, as Christians and why I made my statement at the beginning that I wish that you could learn how much God loves you. is because I think that if we could grasp just how much God loves us, now all of a sudden, obedience is not that difficult, is it? Now all of a sudden, maybe some of our doubts don't really seem like doubts at all. Now sometimes our confusion is not really confusion. It's just that God hasn't, figured, we, God hasn't told us all of it yet. Now some of our tough times aren't as tough because we serve a God who loves us. And if we can grasp that, here's what I believe. That we can go through tough times unlike anyone else in this world. And you want to know what I have really felt the call to prepare this class for? Is I don't think 2021 and beyond is going to be the same type of church that you grew up in. I don't think that we've got an easy path for Christianity moving forward. And guess what? If you go to work and there's something going on in your life that is tough and you're sitting across the table or across the desk from someone who's going through something that's tough, you better be able to show how you're handling it differently. Because they're getting mad at God. And you, as a child of God, should be stepping back and saying, man, it hurts, but God loves me. And I don't think that 
moving forward, our greatest testimony of Christianity is going to be in what we say. It's going to be in how we live. And by the way, it's always been that way. We've just gotten good at better at saying what we need to say. But your life better match up with the God you say that you believe in. And the cornerstone of that is that God loves you. So here's my challenge this week. Something difficult comes up. Something stressful comes up. Don't just run to, oh my goodness, I can't believe God did this. No, run to this. God, I don't know why, but I know that you love me. And so would you please help me to trust you in this moment? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's pray and we'll be done. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.